Hey church, my name is Jason. I serve as one of the elders at Church in the Square. Would you open your Bibles? Meet me in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. For this Easter Sunday, we are looking at an important passage that kind of goes along with the passages of Scripture we've been looking at all of Passion Week. We were in chapter 21, and then 27, and now chapter 28, giving us a picture of the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'd like to read the passage and then pray, and we will get to work. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Verse 5. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, have I told you, or I have told you, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples, and behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. These are the very words of God, and we say thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, without your help, we will not know the truth and beauty of the scriptures. And so we simply ask that you would shine brightly through the text, that you would illuminate uh, your goodness, your grace, your character, your nature to us, that we might uh, more today understand and love and follow you as you have called us to. So help me to be clear and responsible with your word and help all of us who hear these words, your word, uh, be transformed on the spot and be obedient in our response to your word. So help us to that end. We ask in Jesus' name, everybody agreed and said, Amen. Well, we've been exploring something together over the past few days. Jesus has been uh, telling everyone what was going to happen. He told everyone what he was going to do. He made it clear, in other words, why they were going to the city of Jerusalem. Take this back all the way to the triumphal entry. When he is coming into the city, he is telling everybody, this, this is why I have come. He, he's being clear. In other words, he's giving away the ending. He was not trying to surprise anyone. He wasn't trying to entertain. He was giving away the ending. And that's actually what's immediately clear to us about this particular passage that we've just read. The angels told the women in verse 6, He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. He's not here. He rose from the dead, and just like he told you. So, in other words, Jesus is not trying to surprise us today. Jesus is not trying to entertain us. He gave away the ending of the story a long time ago, and everybody knew it. See, there's this very strange fascination that we have with the new, isn't there? It's sort of this morbid lust for the fresh and the updated as people, as a country, as a culture. We crave to be entertained. 
But Jesus refuses to appease this fascination within us. See, even in the church, we have phrases like you're preaching to the choir. As if to say we, we already know that or we, we already do that. We've heard that before. Give us something new. Give us something fresh. And I think Easter, Resurrection Sunday, is one of those days in particular where if we are not careful, the story grows stale to us and we, we long for something new. Well, my brothers and sisters, can I tell you something? Jesus died for the choir. Jesus has a word for the choir. The choir is, is the group of people who come to church. They come to the gathering. They wear pretty clothes, and the choir sings pretty songs. The choir looks good and sounds good. But are they actually good? Do you see? Do you hear? I'm going to preach to the choir today. Because if ever there was a group who needed the message of resurrection, it's those of us who come to church, wear pretty clothes, say pretty things, and are hiding secret sins that lead to death. It's those of us who have grown cold to the power of this resurrection story, longing for something new and fresh and updated. It's the choir. So church, I'm here to tell you today that what I have to say to you, what I believe that God has for us as a church family, is not new news, but don't get it twisted. This is some good news. He never promised us new news. What he promised us in the gospel, in his son, Jesus Christ, is news that would always be good. See, the problem with the new is that it's fresh one moment and stale the next. But this news is good, and it's true, and it's eternal Therefore, Jesus does not have to entertain us or surprise us to make this story interesting once again because we've heard it before. You see, resurrection is so good that we could see it coming from a mile away and still be amazed. And that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what this story is about in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus did exactly what he said he would do, and a resurrection still surprises us. Resurrection still surprises us. Why? Why are we still surprised when God's promises are performed? Well, I think three reasons sort of providentially offer themselves from the text today. Let's read it again, beginning in verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other women went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I tell you that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Three things. Three things 
I want us to see from this passage about the nature of resurrection, particularly a resurrection we were told was going to happen. Remember, Jesus said over and over and over again, the closer he got to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer, die, and rise from the dead. I'm going to suffer, die, and rise from the dead. In other words, he says resurrection is coming, and yet we're still surprised when it shows up. Why? Three reasons, I think, offer themselves from this text. First, resurrection ends life as we know it. Resurrection ends life as we know it. Second, resurrection opens our eyes. Third, resurrection gives us purpose. So resurrection ends life as we know it. Resurrection opens our eyes. And resurrection gives us purpose. Jesus was not trying to surprise us. He was not trying to entertain. He was making himself known. And this is why we are still in awe when he shows up. Because resurrection, first of all, Resurrection ends life as we know it. Notice in verse 4, Matthew tells us something about the guards. Did you hear it? They became like dead men. Practically speaking, the guards were astonished, and it's difficult to fault them. At the very least, they froze in amazement. The angel were told they, they appeared to them like lightning, and their clothes were white as snow. There is an immense amount of irony here, though. And to be sure, there's, there's logical and practical reasons why they would have been stunned, but there's irony in the language that Matthew employs here to communicate something to us. See, at the scene where one who was dead comes to life, we are told that those who are alive look like they are dead. Oh, if that doesn't preach to you today, I don't know what will. See, as death gives way to life, life gives way to death. Resurrection, in other words, ends life as we know it. Resurrection exposes lies. So you might have thought you knew the good life. Then you met someone or, or something happened that led to the realization that you did not know how good that life could, could get. In other words, you felt like you came to life. You see, things we thought or think bring us life are exposed as deadly at the resurrection. And without Jesus and his resurrection, we are all dead people walking. So resurrection, thanks be to God, ends life as we know it and welcomes in us into a completely new kind of way to be human. It exposes lies. To be sure, these guards go on to lie about their experience and spread false tales about Jesus. In other words, they try to cover up their lies and shame with more of both. But what we learn from this particular passage is that resurrection means earthly power is a lie. This is why we're still surprised by resurrection, even though we, could, we saw it coming. Secondly, resurrection not only ends life as we know it, but resurrection opens our eyes. This is what we see when we look at the women. Look at verse 5. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen as he said, come, see the place where he lay. So the guards became like dead men, but the women who had come to tend to the body of Jesus are told not to fear. What's more, they are invited to investigate. They are invited to test the angel's words with, with an experience of walking into the tomb. In other words, they, the angels are inviting the women to see if what they are saying is legit, to go and see the truth for themselves, that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead. See, resurrection, in other words, doesn't just expose lies, but it reveals truth. Resurrection opens our eyes. This takes us back to the fact that the angel, when uh, the angel showed up, 
they uh, were told that they actually were sitting on top of the stone. Can you can you imagine that? Which had been in front of the tomb. Now, now, why is this noteworthy? Well, I'd like to suggest to you that if Jesus could raise from the dead, in other words, if he could beat back Satan's sin and death itself, he did not need the stone to be rolled away. He did not need the stone to be moved, nor did he need to move it himself. The stone was rolled away, not for the benefit of Jesus walking out, but for the invitation of these women to come and see the truth. See, resurrection is meant to open your eyes. See, resurrection tells us not only is earthly power alive, but resurrection means that Jesus alone is the truth. This is why we are still surprised. This is why we're still surprised that even though resurrection is exactly what we were told is going to happen, we're still shocked when it takes place. Thirdly, not only is uh, resurrection uh, the way that life ends as we know it, but also it opens our eyes. Thirdly, resurrection gives us purpose. Look at verse 7. The angel says, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. The message which Jesus had been communicating his entire ministry was now the message of his followers. What Jesus had been saying, now the angel is commissioning, giving to his followers to say that, that Jesus was not trying to surprise. He wasn't trying to entertain. He was giving away the ending of the story, and he did exactly what he said he was going to do. And the women are supposed to respond to all of this, that Jesus said he would suffer, die, and rise from the dead. They were supposed to respond by, to this by simply going and telling. Go and tell. See, in doing so, they become the first heralds of the gospel, that Jesus was risen, that Jesus is and was Lord. The resurrection wasn't just for them. The resurrection gave them new hope to be sure, and it also gave them this new story to tell, and it gave them this new purpose to embrace. See, they came to the tomb ready to care for a dead body, and they left the tomb announcing the resurrection of their Lord. They came as mourners, they left as missionaries. They came sorrowful and left with joy. They came hopeless and left with eternal security. They came bound by death and they left free and alive. See, they came thinking they were alive looking for a dead body. What they realized is that that dead body had come to life and they, dead bodies, could find life in him. Am I preaching to you yet? They came to see and they left to go and tell. Resurrection means all are all. We're all supposed to go and tell. See, Jesus wasn't trying to surprise anyone, and yet we are still in awe when he shows up. Isn't this like God? See, nothing could prepare us for resurrection. Nothing could prepare us for lies to be exposed. Nothing could prepare us for truth to be revealed, for eternal purpose to be given, because resurrection changes everything. See, we often think to ourselves... If we would have seen uh, Jesus alive and well and in the flesh, then we would have believed more too, or that we would be more faithful or hopeful or committed to his purposes. Perhaps we think that if we would have had an experience like these guards or like these women, then we too would be able to uh, disregard these lies, embrace this truth, and embrace our purpose a lot better. But let's not miss a detail here. These women had not seen Jesus yet. And yet, they obey, and they had faith before they saw Jesus in the flesh. In other words, they have as much evidence at this point as we do. They go into an empty tomb and see that he is not there. 
It was on the road then of obedience and faith that they came to see Jesus face to face. Hear this, Matthew 28, 8 through 10. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Friends, we can't overstate this enough. The women who saw the empty tomb and heard the words of the angels, and then they did exactly what they were asked. They certainly could have formed a small group and said, let's talk about what the angels, but these messengers have said. Let's talk about our experience. And those things can be appropriate in their right space and time. But they were willing, hear this, they were willing to obey without all the information. They were willing to obey when they still had questions. They were willing to obey when they had not yet met Jesus face to face. The text tells us they departed quickly and ran to the disciples. Oh God, give us faith like these women. Give us obedience like these women. And because, rather, because they have this obedience, because they have this faith, they meet Jesus on the road of obedience, on the road of faith, on the road of their newfound purpose. See, many of us, I think, God help us, are waiting for some specific sign. We're waiting to be surprised. We're waiting to be entertained. We're waiting to feel good. We're waiting to hear something good. We're waiting for something new because you're preaching to the choir with all of this old, old story. We're waiting to make sure, in other words, Jesus is worthy of our investment, worthy of our affection, worthy of our lives, worthy of our joy that he's the real deal. We're waiting for an airtight and irrefutable proof of his existence, his worthiness, and resurrection. But the scriptures never give us this airtight argument. They give us an airtight person, as one preacher has put it. And Jesus told everyone. He said he would suffer, said he would die and then rise from the dead. He calls his shot. But what would compel him to do so? It doesn't seem like good storytelling at all, does it? Why would Jesus give away the ending of the greatest story ever told? Because he's not trying to wow you. This is not some parlor trick. He is saying, come and see. This is legit. He's not trying to trick you in a moment. He is revealing himself to you for all of eternity. See, Jesus wants us to know him. Think about that. Don't miss this. The one who spoke all things into existence desires for you to know him. He already knows you, and yet he desires to be in relationship with you. You might say I'm preaching to the choir. You've already heard this. You've already done this. This is old news to you. But church, he never promised that this would be new news. He said that this would be good news. And many of us, every day, put on those choir robes. Every day, try to look good and sing good and say good and act good. But Jesus says, I've got something that's really good. 
where you don't have to act no more. You don't have to sound no more. You don't have to dress it up anymore. So take your church clothes off and put on the righteousness of Christ. That's the good news. You who are dead men and women walking can find newness of life in the one who was dead but now reigns supreme over all things. Can I get an amen to church? See, Jesus gave away the ending of this story because he knew this good news was so good that you could see it coming from a mile away and it would still change your life. I know that's preaching to the choir, but by God's grace, may the choir be converted this Easter Sunday that we might know the truly good news of Jesus Christ. God, help us. Forgive us. Heal us. May we lay hold by your grace, by your mercy, by your power, by your goodness, by your kindness. May we lay hold of this great good news of Jesus Christ. That those who are dead can find life. That those who are sorrowful can find joy. That those who are lost can be found because of the good news of Jesus Christ. We love you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.